Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Magic, the podcast where we cover all the news in gaming, innovation, artificial intelligence, Anything that's going on in tech. This is your host, Kathy Hackle, and I am in Davos, Switzerland right now for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. Um, I am not going to be able to be a part of this full episode because I am in Davos and I'm extremely busy with meetings and a lot of activities here. If you've ever been to Davos for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting, it's Nonstop, <laughs> and it's really exciting. Um, but my guest co-host Lee and our producer Lily will be taking over this episode for me, so that I can uh, focus on being here on the ground. Um, I will tell you, I will report this from from uh, Davos, Switzerland. Is that AI is everywhere, just like we saw it at CES. Everything is AI. Um, a lot of the different companies and brands that take up space on the promenade, um, which is a street here in Davos, um, and put up their stands and everything and their lounges. Everything is AI. Most of the talks are AI. I am doing a panel on are women ready for AI at the Female Quotient Equality Lounge um, this week, which I'm really excited about. I'm also being invited to several amazing events at the AI House here in Davos, which is like the it place to be, um, and just a lot of different interesting events around AI and what it means for society, what it means for business, what it means for trust. Uh, so yeah, I will be sharing a lot more next week when I'm back on the podcast. But for now, I'm going to leave you with Lee and with Lily that will be taking over this episode and bringing you all the news. So I'll report back with lots more next week. And anyway, I'll leave you I'll leave you with Lily and Lee who will take care of this tech magic episode. Well, thanks Kathy. Yes, this is Lee Keebler. I am joined with Lily Snyder, who is our wonderful and amazing producer. Um, Lily's still going to have the dispatch from the fringe at the end of the uh end of the show, so uh, I look forward to that. Don't worry. That is my favorite segment, so that's why I I threw that out there is like I, I don't know. I just have a feeling there's like a handful of listeners like I'm only listening for that part. So, yeah. Any, anyways, Lily, thanks for filling in. Thanks for coming on for the full show, um, Kathy. We miss you. Have a great time at Davos. Good luck. I don't. We're. Yeah. I think Lily, you and I are both. Even though we're in opposite corners of the United States, we are both frozen this this weekend. Uh, yes, it is a blizzard outside. I can confirm here in Michigan. So yeah, I'm happy to be here on the podcast with you, Lee. <laughs> we, have the, <laughs> we have the exact same problem here. We hit a, a freak uh, storm and like Portland doesn't get a lot of snow. We get like a little bit of snow every year, but not just a couple inches. It doesn't really, it, that's part of why I just, I chose to live here. But this year, um, 
it's not that we even got a lot of snow. We just got a, a huge freeze and a lot of power outages. We're, we're lucky that my studio still has uh, power right now because uh, a lot of people are still waiting for, for the power to come back on, which is kind of crazy. Yikes. Yeah, I feel like I was in a sci-fi movie or something the other night because I was woken up by these like green flashes in the sky and then this like weird buzzing noise. I was like, the only thing that made me think of green is a tornado, but that didn't make sense. So then I like got on Reddit and it was like, oh, the, like transistors or something with the power lines is like exploding. Okay, so it wasn't little green men <laughs> knocking on your door. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Okay. Well, at least you're safe. Yeah. I mean, here it's just been cold and very quiet, like that eerie winter quiet, which is so very strange, um, especially for this area. But anyways, we're here. We are here for the show. This should, uh, we're recording on Monday. It will go live on Wednesday and, uh, hopefully by Wednesday, everyone has their power back and has some heat. Uh, and if you're listening and you don't, I'm so sorry. It'll come on soon again. <laughs> we don't, we really don't know. We're supposed to get more snow on Tuesday. No one has any information. Everyone's frantically refreshing their phones, trying to figure out when, uh, certain areas will come back on. But anyways, we're here. Uh, welcome to we Tech are. Magic. We've got a lot to cover. Um, I'm going to just bring the, the headline to the front. Most of it is about AI. This seems to be the week of AI. Um, we are post-CES. We are just kicking off Davos. And AI seems to be the name of the game thus far in 2024. Don't know how long it'll keep in the headline as we see things like the Apple Vision Pro bring in spatial computing. Uh, that'll be that'll make for a very interesting February, which is the uh, official, or I guess to them it's the official launch month. But I don't think we have, was it February 19th or something like that? We have like official launch date or something? Yeah. And I believe it was that. Pre-orders it's can happen in January. Yeah, so. pre-orders will be happening this month and then it'll go live. Uh, and a lot to talk about then. Um, so what we do have is the most important gadgets that you need to know about for 2024. And on the top of those, you have this conversation that we've been having. This kind of, I read this article and I was like, uh, maybe this is like 2023 tap dancing into 2024. We've got the human <laughs> AI pin. People are still looking into it. Um, I was on the fad train for that. I know Kathy was on the, the fence. I don't know. Where do you land with the human AI pen? You, you put a lot of these articles together, but I never actually get to hear your side of the story here. I know. Yeah. No, this article did seem like 2023 creeping into 24, but I saw someone post on LinkedIn about the rabbit AI handheld yeah, device. Yeah, rabbit R1. Yep about how it's fun that like gadgets, tech gadgets are coming back. Mm -hmm. And this just gave me a memory of being in like high school. And my dad was like a big tech gadget guy. And he would just buy like all the different types of Palm pilots and different, like I was the same way. Yeah. 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 And everybody and, was in the tech gadget game. It was fun. Right. It was yeah. Fun. And it was before like cell phones, like maybe your cool friends had like a flip phone, like a razor, but it's like, what can I do, do with this gadget? And it's kind of exciting that for gadgets to come back and not mm -hmm. everything is just on your phone all the time. Yeah, it was, it was really, that was such a fun time. I remember I had a, a, a Timex watch that was made by Microsoft and it had this tiny little light sensor camera in it and 
this is going to sound so dated and it obviously is because this was like an, a late 90s, early 2000s thing, but I was enamored by it. You could program your calendar or whatever it was your to-do list, all of this stuff into your into your uh, computer and then you could send it to your watch by holding up your watch to the screen and it would like your screen would flash these like black and white lines <laughs> and all this like data crap that you couldn't read but your phone or not your phone your your watch would basically take all of this data and now your calendar and everything is synced to your computer and i thought that was just the coolest thing is those early wearable technologies that were everywhere and then finally just kind of boiled into what we know as the smartphone uh, but the rabbit r1 yeah. uh is an AI device that is trying to remove the phone equation, right? It's just focusing on what would a browser or what would a device look like that was solely powered by AI. I think this is an important question to ask. Uh, it's it's kind of leading the the thought that I've been having for the last, I would say, a couple couple of months, three or four months, and that is I'm not using search engines. As much anymore. I'm almost never using search engines. So if our browsers were all baked into this idea of how the internet works with search engines, what what does a device look like that is only focusing on AI model, you know, computing as opposed to search engine based retrieving? Um, what I do find interesting about this device <clears throat> is it's a collaboration effort. And the design company is a company I don't think a lot of people who listen to this podcast would be aware of, but it's a design company uh, called Teenage Engineering. Um, and the reason I have been following them for years is they started in the music industry. Uh, they made synthesizers, like portable, tiny, aesthetically pleasing synthesizers with great sounds, but with limited functionality. Um, and I will admit they are uh, prohibitively expensive, like <laughs> wildly, stupidly, unjustifiably expensive synthesizers. A lot of their stuff is very pricey. It is in the music industry. They are the, the Apple of like music gear. Um, but their stuff sounds fantastic. Uh, funny enough, a couple of episodes back, I was talking about having to bribe AI because I was looking for more information about a piece of gear that had had some some uh, manufacturing issues. It was something that was actually from Teenage Engineering. So for me to see Teenage Engineering pop up again so uh, so quickly, I, it just kind of caught caught me off guard. But they make some really cool stuff. Um, but their whole goal is is aesthetic, uh, and it has been for a long time aesthetic in uh, in music. So to see them collaborate on a mobile device strictly focused on AI was quite telling. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go, which tells me mm -hmm. one thing about this device. It will be fun to use. Um, all, all things aside, all opinions on if, if teenage engineering makes too expensive equipment or, you know, they had some quality control issues on the last project that they, they sent out. Everything they touch is very fun and interactive to use. They, they, they focus in on, on, um, how you want to do something. 
they are the uh, the epitome of the design of everyday things. Like this is how you want to interact with it. So for that alone, I'm very interested in this Rabbit R1 AI device. Um, it is instantly sold out and it had a really low entry price of $199. And, and so- right. That surprised me because that had to be the other side of that had to be the partnership company that actually did the rabbit R1 development because nothing (laughs) that teenage engineering touches is typically under $200. Um, So I was really shocked by that. And at 200 bucks, I was like, oh, I'll experiment with this. I'll, I'll be disappointed. I can be disappointed for $200. That's fine. But now I've got to like be on the backlog and watching their demo video. Did you get to watch it? I didn't see the demo video, no. The demo video was very interesting, and it made a very compelling argument of like how you would want to use this. And it it kind of likened back to just having a personal assistant in your pocket that you wanted to interact with. There was one feature that I thought was very interesting, and that was and it was stuff that you couldn't do with like ChatGPT. Um, so the device has a built-in camera, which is really nice, which like – Mm-hmm. arguably most of what you can do with the rabbit, you can do with ChatGPT on your phone. And that's been, yeah. that was kind of the the criticism that the rabbit launch had gotten from all the corners of the internet of like, well, why would I pay $200 for a device that can do what my phone can do? There's one thing it does that I just want to play with. And I'd be willing to spend $200 to play with the toy. And that is uh, you can train it to do tasks. Like it has a, do and learn feature. So if you wanted it to pull images from mid journey, right. Um, which yes, I get that ChatGPT has, has Dolly and can do its own images, but it's baked into that application. This is, they were using this as a, as a, as a example. Mid journey has got a big barrier and that is it has to go through discord for you to interact with it. Um, so mm-hmm. if you aren't actively using discord, like there's a, big hurdle here to using mid journey. It kind of forces you into yeah. the discord ecosystem. Um, you can train the rabbit R one to log into discord, get to your account and submit the request and then pull the answer and then post it. So like it's actually teaching by doing it, it's following your actions so it can do it again, which means it could do this with any type of like online device that, that is that- interesting. That is, Lee. That is. Is this like the new age, like programming that we're all going to start teaching ourselves? You know, it's it's like a, it's a good question. Um, I hadn't really put it into that context, uh, so that that's a unique, curious question of like, is this the next iteration of very high level, non language based programming? Sort of. Um, you know, back in let's see. Back in like the tw- the 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 twenty tens, the the teens. Um, I don't know. Is that what we call it? The teens, twenty teens. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, and it still exists today. But there was this uh, there was this web app called If This Then That. Um, and you could say, okay, if my account does this, then I want you to respond by doing that. And like that kind of seems like the early pieces of what the rabbit is kind of doing, but it's doing it all internally. Now I will say. They did a. They showed how to do this in their demo, and it took a long time. Um, it, <laughs> it took four times longer than it should have, and that was literally printed. But it's it's a it's a it's like a beta test. The fact that it can do it at all, it like uh, someone once said, um, 
it's not how it's not it's not how well the monkey plays the piano. It's that the monkey can play the piano at all. Well, the yeah. fact that like the rabbit actually plays the piano is pretty impressive, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it, we showed it how to do a thing, and now it can do that thing, even if it takes a little bit longer than it should. So I don't know. I'm yeah. I want one now after seeing that. I I wish I yeah, would. Yeah, you still me. That. Yeah. 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 Do I? Th- I just wonder because you have like today's expert like Googlers. Like there's this mm-hmm. meme that people mm-hmm. aren't like tech experts. They're expert Googlers. I'm like, is this the next totally way to do that? If search is going out the window, totally. Hundred percent. ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, knowing knowing how to properly write prompts for artifi- any artificial intelligence, you know, based on a large language model or something like that, uh, I think is. And this is where it gets me a little bit, right? I think that's definitely a thing that's going to be sought after. It's 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 kind of like already being sought after, especially even you're you're in the writing field, like you've done a lot in 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 writing, and and I feel like and in research, and I feel like mm-hmm. AI seems to be the biggest disruptor for that sector to start with. But everyone's worried about the jobs it's going to lose, not the jobs that will be created. And that's just the ebb and flow. I was talking with someone this weekend who was lamenting over AI is going to steal so many jobs. And I said, look, that's what technology does. Technology stops certain tasks and creates new tasks. I can't think of a piece of technology where that isn't the case, right? Like the automobile replaced the need for a farrier and replaced that person with a mechanic, Right now, that doesn't mean farriers don't still exist. That doesn't mean that people still aren't into horses and like horseback riding. So, like, there is a smaller subset of farriers out there, but it's not the the predominant, you know, uh, job that it used to be a mm-hmm. hundred and something years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, but it created a need for mechanics, and like that's why I don't get too worried about AI. It's like, yeah, it's going to rock some worlds, and there were it's coming really quickly, and. Mm-hmm. there is going to be a population not prepared for it, but it'll also create new things. Just like you said, like, okay, if we stop, if we yeah. stop worrying about and SEO, what do we do now? And it's like, okay, well, how do we right? drive AI? Mm-hmm. And there's some people I've talked to who are in manufacturing. And since AI can be like a teacher and see like everything happening in the plant, in the plant floor at once, that actually said like, you can now bring in people off the street, like hire them in and then the AI can teach them in real time how to work on their part of the line. So while machines have replaced people in manufacturing, you still need people in manufacturing. And how do you capture all those soft skills and Mm -hmm. knowledge that isn't in the training material? So, And and the soft skills, we're going to get to the soft skills because I have a theory about that in a different article that I saw in your uh, in your list of, of stories here that I read. And I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. It's not even in the article. I just kind of like have a hypothesis. So we'll get to that. I think soft skills in AI is an untapped market um, that will will have a big impact in how we work as humans uh, in the future. It'll be very interesting. Um, you know, other, other things in the list were like the Ray-Ban smart glasses, uh, and a lot of their work with meta. Um, I'm not on, I'm not on board with that yet. I'll be honest. I, as someone who's a big meta quest fan and I love what they're doing with the quest three, um, I'm looking forward to seeing like a quest pro two, uh, I can't, I'm just not on the Ray-Ban smart glasses train yet. Um, and I don't. 
I think it has something to do with like wearing cameras that are outward facing in public. There's just a level of that. Like I'm not ready to contribute to that part of technology yet. That just seems like, this is my, yeah. Like I'm also, this is why I'm also not on board with like the human AI pen. Um, like this just camera that has to exist. And I know that they have lights and let people know when you're recording and things like that. But I just feel like that that's, there's something different about that level of, of invasiveness with cameras than compared with, okay, if someone's holding up their phone to take a picture, we've been around cameras. We know they're taking a photo. That's fine. I'm sure that there's a million photos of people's family trips to, you know, wherever that I'm somewhere in the background and don't even know. Fine. I'm fine with that. But Mm -hmm. as it comes to these AI powered devices, I'm getting a little, I am, I'm a little weirded out. Maybe that's just my age showing of the invasiveness of like these cameras that are, it's not like they're traffic cams, right? Like, these are just yeah, I think that, randos with cameras on their bodies. Yeah. And the difference is that they are connected to an AI and what is it doing? What is it like processing with the images mm-hmm. that it's capturing? Mm-hmm. It's not just a picture. It's, it's a picture connected to an artificial intelligence yeah, connected and, to the internet. And I would think, and maybe you would have more to say on this than I do, but I don't, I don't have kids, but if I did, I would be weird about that. Like, you just have cameras oh. taken, like, the privacy of children, I think, need to be heavily guarded and valued, right? And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, we're not, we're not, we're releasing the cameras before we're releasing the protection, and that bothers me. I think that that freaks me out the most. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could do a whole podcast just on my thoughts of kids and technology. Like in my son's um, school, they have iPads for kindergartners. There's mm. one reading app that they use for it. But I'm like, do they have access to like the camera? Like, do they have, can they take pictures of other students? Like, mm. where do those go? Do kids understand what's happening when they take a picture? And like even just teaching them at a young age about like consent and posting and let alone like what schools do, like taking pictures of kids and putting them on the school yeah. blogs and it's other interesting. kids having devices. <laughs> because I mean, actually you, you can lock them down and a kid's going to figure out how to undo it. Like that's just the mm-hmm. way it is. That, that's how, yeah. I mean, I think that's true for every generation, right? Like, yes. Um, I remember my mom thinking she locked us out of the family computer and yeah. Or like, Oh yeah. You locked me out of <laughs> cable cause I'm grounded and I can't figure out how to turn the cable back on. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, that, that's that we've, we've all been there on, on some level. And I do think it's important to teach the concept as early as possible, right? Like yeah. it's, it's kind of the new, it's kind of the new uh, stranger danger campaign, right? Like, yes. <laughs> so that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a necessary thing to teach early and, and, and get out there, but to also then just like to hand the, the book of matches over to the kid is, is a little, <laughs> and you'd think that at some point there would have been like a hardware adaptation just geared towards that, solution but i don't know mass products have to have mass consumerism so it's easier to like spread it out than to try to come up with a single solution um Mm -hmm. yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting question and i've said it on so many 
episodes of well maybe maybe Europe will save us because they seem to be the ones leading privacy efforts. I think that's later later in our it show is. too. Lee. It yeah, it totally is. Okay, so we've gone through all of these tech gadgets, future or fad. And this is what I want to point out as, as the future of fad. Not any one of these independent tech gadgets, but as you brought up, we are now entering this gad, tech gadget era of like pieces that do a singular thing or a couple of handheld things as opposed to like the era of the smartphone, which was like kind of the, for lack of a better you know, description, the Swiss Army knife of, 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 of technology. Um, are we going to see, do you think, future of fad, we're going to see more independent tech gadgets like this? I think it's, I'm going to go with the future because when Kathy and I wrote A Wearable World, it was all about a post-smartphone future. Mm. And I think we're starting to see, I saw an article the other day questioning if, um, why is there a rise in uh, adults being diagnosed with ADHD? Does it have to do with technology? And are people wanting to stay connected, but like need more help or I think the single focus gadget could be the answer to like a lot of our struggles with the smartphone. I'm, in future. I'm on the fence. Um, <clears throat> I agree with everything you just said to the point that recently I have, this is going to sound absolutely crazy and <laughs> probably disassociate myself from a lot of our listeners. I have honestly heavily considered deleting mail from my phone. Just like, no, my phone doesn't get email. I do not need to get email as fast as I'm getting it. I can subject it to a timeline in my own schedule, and I can access it from my computer when I'm sitting down to read emails. But I do not need my phone buzzing in the middle of the night because it's receiving spam from a different time zone. Or, you know, like, it's it's not a text message service. So... What if I just deleted mail from my phone? Um, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't done it yet, but I am starting to get to a point where I can see decoupling all of the things that my phone does into little pieces to where I choose if I interact with them or not, as opposed mm-hmm. to my phone demanding that I interact with it. Um, yes. Sounds very tempting. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. I think you should do it. You can always put it back on. Like right. I took all social media apps off my phone. Oh yeah. It was very liberating. Yeah. 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 I, I still have like Reddit and discord on my phone, which still technically count as social media apps, but I don't have a Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. Uh, LinkedIn is about where I live. So if you are looking to talk with me, Hey, I'll chat with you. Just come to LinkedIn. Oh, Go yeah. find me. Same here. LinkedIn <laughs> is where it's at. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't dance for TikTok. That's that's not my jam. So, you know, that's 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 where I come into all of it. Anyways, okay. I'm I'm in the middle of it. It could be future, it could be fat. I like that you're saying that it's future. I think we'll see more of it before we see less of it. Yeah. When we get back, we're gonna take a break. When we get back, we're gonna talk about Apple and a couple of ways I think they're going to make sure that the individual gadget is a fad and not the future and you stay on their platform. We're going to take a real real quick break and we'll be back in a few minutes with more tech magic. Mm-hmm. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back with more tech magic. Uh, Kathy is not with us today. She is in Davos, Switzerland, uh, and learning all about what's new in 2024. We are post-CES, and we are in the beginning of Davos, and we are hearing over and over again, it is about spatial computing and about artificial intelligence, and that's what we're here to talk more about. My name is Lee Keebler. I am the co-host of this podcast, and today I am joined with Lily Snyder, who is our wonderful, talented, amazing producer who, in my opinion, you don't get to hear from enough. So I am glad to be sharing uh, the microphone with you today, Lily. Uh, so yeah, thanks for joining and filling in for Kathy. Um, we've got a little bit more to talk about when it comes to the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, they made an interesting... Uh, Mandate. I'm going to use a strong word here. It's a mandate. It, it really was a mandate. This is, I think, my favorite favorite story of the week. Well, then you should reactions. you should launch this story. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah. So Apple for their Vision Pro has decreed that it's not VR. It's not mixed reality. You can only call it spatial computing, even when it comes to their apps for the Vision Pro and. The reactions of people who I followed in VR for a long time on Twitter were very interesting. <laughs> they were like, who's Apple to tell us what to call what this is? And I can call it whatever I like. And <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Because when we think about spatial computing, it's it's this convergence of enabling technologies and so I suppose like the Vision Pro, yes, a spatial computing device, but it, it uses the same types of technology that comes from AR and VR. So is it a marketing ploy or is it really a technical differentiation? It's, yeah, it's going to be... Um... It's going to be interesting. Please thinking. Here. Yeah, I've had to think. I've had to think about this quite a bit. There's a couple of things that I do agree with them. I'm. They can't call it mixed reality, um, <clears throat> and this is mm -hmm. solely because, in my personal opinion, Microsoft made a weird call five plus years ago when they called their VR headsets mixed reality, but they were patently virtual reality. And then they and had, this isn't the HoloLens. And this, this isn't is the HoloLens. Like headsets. They like called, yeah, they called their virtual yeah. reality platform, not the HoloLens, which arguably yeah. is mixed reality, 
They called their virtual reality platform mixed reality, which never made any sense. And whoever <laughs> was the marketing person behind that should, you know, at least be questioned <laughs> in depth. Why they did that, I have no idea. But that probably set a trademark expectation around mixed reality. I can totally understand them not wanting to call the the uh, the Vision Pro mixed reality mm-hmm. when, in fact, it is mixed reality. Right. So Mm -hmm. I get why they had to make that separation. It is a definitively mixed reality focused headset. You put it on, you still see your surroundings outside of the headset. And then you have the overlaid uh, interactions of these apps inside of your own living room or wherever you're wearing this thing. So it is mixed reality. You can't call it mixed reality. Microsoft stole that and kind of ran with it and then ran it right into the ground. Um, There is no more mixed reality, (laughs) but it's just like, you know, corporate techno speak confusion at this point i'm on board with that it's not virtual reality focused right so i get why they don't want like the whole idea behind this thing is the amazing pass through um so you still see your surroundings so i get why they don't want to call it virtual reality i can understand that it is undeniably spatial computing i think that that's the right word but Mm -hmm it does support what would be considered virtual reality apps, meaning you don't see your surroundings. You are now encompassed in a new reality. It's surrounding you. Um, and a good example of that is like Rec Room is supposed to be a launching title on this. This is a VR social gaming platform at this point. Um, it's kind of the Roblox for virtual reality. Um, so that causes some some weird weirdness of like if you build what would be considered a virtual reality app for the vision pro you still can't call it virtual reality i think that that's going to cause a little bit of user confusion but it'll be very temporary um the one thing that i called out as soon as i heard this article is well i'm sure vr chat wants to be on the apple vision pro especially if rec room's going to be there what are they going to do it's baked into the platform's name you know maybe they're not going on apple pro i don't have any way of knowing if they're focusing on an apple pro launch or not i suspect they are because they're one of the platforms that have focused on gesture hand hand gesture mm-hmm. recognition controls so you can use it without controllers and really the only real reason I feel like they would have put so much effort into baking that into their platform already is because they're preparing for some type of system. They're also a Unity-based, uh, a Unity engine-based platform. It would strike me weird if they didn't have a, a push towards um, towards the Vision Pro. I don't know what they name it at this point because if, you, if you're not allowed to call it VR, you're kind of floundering out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be, that will be interesting to see if, if Apple can escape the kind of whole AR, VR, MR debate or what? if people. Did you see the ad that they put adopted. out for it? Like, did you see the the ad that they put out like with the goggles and things like yeah. that? It, it likened yeah. back to exactly what they did with the iPhone, right? Like they did the exact mm-hmm. same. It was, it was almost frame for frame, the same style of commercial. The iPhone launching commercial was like Dick Tracy with his, or no, they did it with the Apple watch and they did it with like Dick Tracy with the Apple watch. They did the iPhone with a bunch of people like famous movie um, uh, clips of people like answering the phone and communicating and things like that. So they've done this ad 
this is like the third time they've done this style of ad. And this one, it was people putting on goggles, getting ready to like take off in airplanes or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And doing all this cool stuff from uh, iconic movies. So I feel like that that's part of them recycling what's always worked, right? When they launched that iPhone, oh gosh, what was the tagline? The tagline was like, uh, it's a phone, it's a computer, it's your mail, it's your messenger. Are you getting it? It's your phone, it's your computer, it's your ma- I, You know, it was that that Steve Jobs moment where he's combining, like, it's not a, just an iPhone, it's all of these other things together. Now, Steve's not here to hone that in, but, you know, they've got brilliant minds that are able to channel the same same voice. And I think that that's what they're doing in this of like, it's not just virtual reality. It's this and this Mm. and this. So how do you expand the expectation? And really the only way you expand the expectation of a piece of hardware is to give it its own definitive name. Now I do find it weird that they are mandating. You can't use the words virtual reality, but mm, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you do about that. I guess the world's just going to have to find a way around it. Um, who are they to be able to dictate it? Uh, they control that section of the marketplace. That's who they are. Um, That's it, it, probably not the answer a lot of people want, but you can still build a VR app, but evidently if you want it on their hardware, this mm-hmm. is what I mean, who knows? Maybe, Lee, this will this will help, help VR because for so many years it's just – had peaks and valleys and oh this is the year vr has died and vr is dead and it's always hung around but what is it maybe it needs maybe it needs a name refresh and a device refresh i i absolutely i I think it's true um i'm i'm okay with that uh as as a product of the 90s who grew up with the dream of virtual reality from like the lawnmower man and and everything else in between (laughs) uh I'm I'm okay with getting giving it a new name if that's what it needs. If this name didn't stick and they can come up with one that does, fantastic. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've arguably done this before. Um even the term smartphone, as far as I can remember, really wasn't in the zeitgeist until the iPhone came out, right? Like I don't remember mm-hmm. anyone ever referring to a BlackBerry as a smartphone. That's true. Uh, that yeah. maybe someone did. I don't think they coined smartphone, but like at some point a definition had to be made of why the iPhone was so, uh, compelling. And part of it was like, because it is smart. Um, yeah, I think we could, we need something like that for these devices that maybe just gets away from, from the technical part of what it is in the, in the first place, instead of getting hung up on spatial computing I think it needs to come out and we can see like what it does right? and start playing with it. And then a real name that's not. Well, I think that's where spatial comes in, right? Like that's the differential of all of this technology is it takes space into consideration, which no device really has. Right. So whether it's mixed reality, whether it's virtual reality, instead of, instead of creating these scenarios where we're trying to like pocket design a word for it, like, it really has one thing in common, and these are technologies that focus on the space, the surrounding space of the person, and then have to recalculate what it's doing based on the space of the person. That's where I'm like, yeah, spatial computing really does make sense as the as the like technical name for it. It's an immediate mm-hmm. description. I, I'm there for it. I think it's great. Yeah. Speaking of that, we were talking about Rec Room. 
even Rec Room is going all in. They're rolling out full body avatars. Um, so that ability to like be in that space with your full body is just more and more becoming a reality. Uh, and all of that has to take in a lot of computational uh, exceptions, right? You've got to be able to track mm-hmm. your hands. You have to know where the person's head is comparative to the floor. Eventually, I hope that it can... Hopefully, eventually, I'd like to see foot recognition. We could actually get some like soccer yes. games going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. FIFA could actually be interesting again. You know, we'll, oh, we'll see. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I mean, like that's that's just going to come with time. Yeah, uh, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back with a little bit more of AI news, um, as if we haven't talked about it in the ground. But this is where I want to get into. Uh, the the soft skills conversation and where AI will come back into play. So we'll be right back with more tech magic. All right, we're back with more Tech Magic, the podcast with Kathy Hackle, and I'm your co-host, Lee Keebler. Uh, Kathy is not here this week because she is in Davos, um, Switzerland, learning all about what's next for the year. I cannot wait for her return because that will be an interesting podcast. I'm just going to like shut up and listen as if I could actually pull that off. Um, I can same Lee. Same. <laughs> but I've got Lily Snyder here who is our wonderful producer and uh, she has put together an amazing list of stories that we go through every week um, to bring you the latest in all things interactive spatial technology AI uh, all of it in between um, and so yeah. we're just going through the list right now with these crazy stories. Um, this is one that I had not actually seen. This was news to me, but oh. uh, I was unaware of Apple's, is it pronounced ferret? That's what I've been calling it. I have not seen a, so. I've not seen a, a like a, a, a verbal pronunciation of this, uh, but it is spelled ferret. <laughs> It so, is it is spelled ferret. It's a cute little family pet that's yes. now going to live in your Vision Pro. <laughs> well, and that's it, right? Apple's new AI is called Ferret. Um, it works a little bit different from like ChatGPT, which is a long, large language model, and they're trying to bake in some more uh, computational uh, inputs for it. But it is focusing on uh, what's called multimodal. Uh, this is a bunch of different vision tasks put together um and and it focuses on small little pieces as opposed to like the large bulk of data that typically uh chat gpt like looks at and says okay well what comparatively can i do as an output here this is actually breaking down say like an image and looking at it more closely and saying well what can we do here and this is a good this is actually what Apple has a lot of data in, right? Um, because they've been controlling uh, the data inputs from their cameras and from their phones and things like that. Uh, whereas conversationally, and I've read a couple of articles where even ChatGPT caught Apple off guard. They weren't expecting it. Um, Tim Cook had admitted that like, oh, we did not expect it to grow that fast. And so <laughs> they have to play catch up in the AI game a little bit. I don't know if they would ever admit to it in such words, but in doing so, 
the smart move is to focus on what you do have a lot of data in. And so this is what their multimodal approach to AI is able to do. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I have a lot of expect, high expectation because they're controlling the pro, to the processor level now of how this uh, AI is able to compute. Um, we'll see more about it. This is the first I've heard of it. I'm sure we'll talk about Ferret more in the future. I don't have much more past that. I don't know if you have any input because this is new to me. So this was something you had brought to my, my attention. Yeah, I think it's just exciting to see. I think everyone's been waiting for... Apple's updates in AI, like something's mm-hmm. new coming to Siri, but this is something even more more complex and updated. And I think it makes a lot of sense coming to the Vision Pro and giving us maybe some more ideas of what we'll be able to do with that device. Yeah, and it leads to a little a lot of credibility too of like how they're how they're building their processor inside of the Vision Pro right now. It's got an M2 chip with an R1 chip, so it's a dual chip processor uh, approach where they're offload. That's how it's able to compute everything so mm-hmm. fast. And, and honestly, we don't have a, a good amount of insight into what the R1 chip is evil, even capable of. I'm sure there will be teardowns as soon as it hits the market and we'll learn all about it. But it's really interesting that we've got this like very powerful dual chip approach um, and a completely different approach to how, like as opposed to there being its own focused GPU, which is how a lot of VR currently works. It targets like directly onto the chip, which is how the, the MacBooks are currently working, which is kind of such a, a, a unique approach to their the apple silicon you know uh so we'll see i don't have a whole lot to go on past this announcement of a multimodal system called ferret uh i'm reading into it i find it interesting i think it's the right approach because it focuses on the data they have not the data they don't have this was a big part of when siri siri first came out siri just got stomped by google because google had more voice data um Mm -hmm. and by having more voice data it had better ability to interpret, you know, different accents and things like that, because a lot of people don't really remember that Google owned something called Goog 411. It was a free 411 service that you could call and they were just taking your voice data and they were powering it to, uh, to teach its uh, voice recognition. We're, we're talking like in the 2007, 2008 era and it just spanked Siri out the gate. Um, now Siri caught up, it took time, but we forget those things. The same thing with like Google maps, they had more map data and Google maps was, the superior application to Apple Maps. In fact, Apple Maps, it took years for Apple Maps to become as reliable as it is today. Now I actually prefer Apple Maps, um, which is probably hearsay, and I just probably lost five listeners. Whatever. It, probably. It, You're losing a lot of listeners today, Lee. It's what I do. That's why Kathy's necessary, because she like really balances out my like <laughs> angst when it comes to this like tech in my opinion. She does. You can't have like two pessimists like on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's you're here and you're like, I agree. But... This is all crap. <laughs> What's everyone doing? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're all crazy. It's just yeah. old man yells at clouds at some point. No, um, yes. <laughs> you've been locked into your house too long in the winter is, storm. I think that's what's gotten both of us. There's been no sun outside. We're just yeah, it's we're just all dark and horrible. <laughs> Kathy brings the yes. red sunshine, and she took it to Davos. She does. Um, she does. She did. <laughs> one of the one of the stories you brought that I found really interesting was. Um, a story about a university enrolling AI-powered students. These are fake students who That's will be right. in turn uh, who will turn in assignments, participate in class discussions. Um, and I find this so. I was reading through this as both my parents were public school teachers, so I definitely grew up in the academic 
side of life, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So hearing and reading through this, where I think a lot of people rose big old like question marks of why would you enroll fake students? Um, and even the article says it's unclear why they're doing this, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting that the article couldn't even come up with a couple of solutions. I actually <laughs> see this. This makes a lot of sense to me. I think that there's a need for AI powered. Um, you got to think of it more like a video game. It's like an NPC in a video game that is there to enhance the story, right? Of what you're learning. So, Oh, that's goodly. You know, like you, you can be sitting there in a class full of students and maybe there isn't a student that in within the class that fully grasps what's being taught. If that, if one of the AI powered NPC students can help break that down in a way that is functionally asking questions like a student would ask, it can help lead that discussion and hopefully pass it over to another student. One of the things, and again, this would... Mm -hmm. It's like bringing a personalization back to the classroom. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And I think one of the things that is starting to miss... um, and I'm speculative on this. It could it, it it could be because we've had you know years of of COVID lockdown and a lot of students had to enter the classroom through Zoom calls. Like all of this stuff, we're seeing too many you know students be tethered to their devices, and so a lot of that interpersonal communication in real life has. Um, maybe atrophied for some students, not all. I'm, I'm not as pessimistic as a lot of the world who thinks like, oh, the next generation can't talk to each other. Uh, yeah, they can. Yes, they can. I, but there are some that can't. There were some in my generation that couldn't, and there were some in the past generations that couldn't. I think this is just a tup- typical human experience. <clears throat> but if these AI-powered students can help kind of like bridge that gap to teach those soft skills, that's another use case where I can see AI coming in mm. and helping, you know, lead a conversation, um, finding like working with a student to work through whatever uh, communication hurdles they may have or anxieties or things like that. Um, you would love to say that a teacher would be able to have the one-on-one time to be able to help that student across those hurdles. And, and I would like to see that as well, but let's be practical here. Um, you know, you may end up at a time where the teacher is not available and that student does need someone to talk to, and there's no one for that student to talk to. This mm-hmm. is an area where that can, can fall into play, especially as you start looking at like homework and things like that. You don't, the student doesn't necessarily have to wait until later. Now, this is the back of my head brewing of why I would see value in this. What the actual value is will be determined by their execution of it. Um, and as I stated, even the article was unsure of what the student's use case would be. But I do see a use mm-hmm. for it. Uh, and it leads to the larger question of can AI help um, help people with their soft skills? And I think it can. I think this is one of those areas that we've not really deeply tapped into. We keep taking AI and using it to like generate things that people like doing. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've found it very strange that we use AI to generate what we call art, right? I don't call AI art, AI art. It's not, it's AI content. Um, it's content generation. It doesn't become art unless a human makes it. That's, that's my line in the stand. Um, you know, if, if a human makes it, it can be art. AI doesn't make art, it makes content. Um, and I'm okay with that. 
you know, I'm, I'm good with that. But it strikes me odd that people would utilize these tools to do stuff that people enjoy doing. Whereas mm -hmm. if we can leverage it for training, for soft skills, for better explanations and, and learning, I, you know, those, those are areas. Um, heck, I want AI to just be able to do my taxes for crying out loud. Like it should be used <laughs> right. to do stuff that's boring that I don't want to do. Um. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder... I wonder in this case about the AI students, I think you, colleges and universities are are getting to a point, at least in the U.S., where people are starting to question, is it worth the value? Why is the price increasing so much? If you have AI students going through whole courses, getting a whole degree, how can it maybe process that data or and come up with ways to find the value in college again. Yeah, that's a tough question. I don't know. Maybe, what I, I, yeah. I could see putting an AI student through a course with a bunch of other students being a really good, um, a really good monitoring case for the teacher's effectiveness, right? Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. you have uh, a more real-time, honest feedback, right? I've had teachers who are like, I want you to give me honest feedback of how I'm doing. I think those are great teachers. And I, I believe yes. that there are teachers out there who do want that honest feedback, but they never get it because the student is right. scared to death that, you know, mm -hmm. if you give too honest a feedback, you're, you're gonna, you know, get demarked, even if that's not the yep. teacher's, teacher's motivation. There are also right. teachers out there that are absolutely horrible. Not every mm -hmm. teacher is a hero. Um, you know, most of them are, my parents were, uh, I know pl uh, most of the teachers I had are, are heroes of mine to this day. I had a couple yes. stinkers. Um, they do exist like any profession and in, in mm -hmm. so having that ability to see, like to have some type of functional learning module that gives feedback of like, this teacher's not actually, it's kind of phoning it in, um, you know, we're on, we're on day four of the week and this is the third VHS of Bill Nye I've watched, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, that's super dated, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> like, that can tie back into your soft skill argument yes. too. Cause it's not just learning isn't just for students. Yeah, it's for absolutely. all of us through our whole lives. <laughs> yep. And all along it's going to be collecting that data. Um, and that's, I think the bigger question is, mm -hmm. Where does that data go? We have this whole conversation about, you know, the New York Times wanting to sell or sue ChatGPT because of using copyrighted information. If a teacher is teaching out of a textbook and that textbook is being used to go through a adjudicating AI student and then that is giving out a better lesson plan, are you not teaching AI based off of a copywritten textbook? And then when does Macmillan come in and say, wait, you can't do that, right? Because like, they <laughs> yeah. definitely have a firm grasp on that sector of, of the publishing industry. Like, so there, yeah. there is all of these other questions that still float in the back of my head. Uh, we'll see where they go, um, which does lead us to the next big thing, which is uh, UK's antitrust agency. As I said earlier in the show, and I've said in many shows before, I'm convinced that Europe might be the only saving grace to our data because they seem to actually be trying to make laws that protect us, uh, at least more so than we have done in the U.S., which arguably and understandably is harder to do because we are a state-based, you know, behemoth of a country. So there's just way more opinions. Um, but the U.K. <laughs> uh, has established an antitrust agency focusing on big tech and what big tech does with their data and where all of this stuff goes. Um, 
it's going to make for interesting arguments. The first, it looks like their first target is not necessarily AI or personal data. Um, because it is an antitrust agency, it looks like their first target might actually be app stores. They will not say who they're targeting, but there's only two to choose from. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that that's the argument is there's only two to choose from. So as we launch applications, those applications and those pieces of technology don't necessarily have a large hold on like what they can hold on to for their, their rights, for their technology that they release. They are pretty much funneled into one of two stores, preferably both with very strict, uh, with very strict uh, terms of service and publication services uh, terms. And, and they don't have much of an argument. They can't really do anything. They can't, they can't debate it. They can't argue for a better deal. Um, and it's not as if they can even go on strike to get a better deal because if they go on strike, there's no other store to go to. So UK mm-hmm. looks like that this is where this antitrust agency will start focusing on. It will take probably years to roll out. Um, this will not be the last time we talk about it. This is just the, hey, this is happening story. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that'll be interesting to follow. I was talking uh, to Dr. Lydia, who was a guest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she told me she read this book called Techno-Feudalism, mm. uh, What Killed Capitalism? And it's all about how we're, yes, we're in countries of governments, and but we're also all on these platforms that span the whole world and are yeah. kind of outside governments in a way. And Oh, they're totally. W- who really has the power? So. Yeah. This will be interesting to see. Well, this was a big part of me looking at the New York Times versus ChatGPT lawsuit. And I mean, I could be wrong. I have no real skin in the game, Um, but I just don't see the New York Times winning it. Uh, And Mm. and it's because it's just such a large, like globally accessible platform. And not every country has the same copyright laws. You might win it in the United States which is where I know that they're, they're hoping to win it. But at, at large, I still don't think that they're going to be able to make the argument uh, to the fullest extent in which they want to make it. Now, I do think they can and should win the argument on you can't redistribute word for word the content that they had created, right? And that shouldn't be happening on ChatGPT at all. Like you should not be able to get word for word a news article that they wrote that is behind their paywall, that is their intellectual property. And that's true for anything. I should not be able to go to, um, I should not be able to go to ChatGPT and ask it to tell me the first chapter of like Kathy's latest book, right? and get that answer. Now, I don't know if you can actually do that or not. I've never actually tried to do that. I might try to do that. Um, (laughs) But our listeners should not try to do that. Instead, you should go check out the books on Amazon. Anyways. um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, that should not be able to, uh, that should not be a thing that it does. Um, However, are we going to be able to convince uh, a, a legal body that uh, taking that information and summarizing new information from it and summaries and, you know, coming up with original, not original, but like derivative thoughts based off of it. Are you going to be able to stop that because you're powering an artificial intelligence with copywritten material? I just don't know how you win that argument. Um, I get the argument. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I just don't know if our legal system currently has enough judges with, 
capable technological understanding to be able to make an accurate call on it. And it's not even their fault. This is just so far out of left field that most people can't really wrap their head around the question itself. And it's becoming more and more difficult to discern. And at some point, the the genie's already out of the bottle. Um, this is a big part of, I've always said, like, if we could do the internet over again, I know the government would roll back our internet and make it different. But the genie was let out of, out of the bottle and they can't, so they're just kind of stuck with this ongoing, in a good way, this ongoing wild, mm-hmm. wild west. And it definitely has its negative dark side too. Sure. It, it's this Pandora's box. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that will go. Uh, but at least there are some some movements towards, I even the U S has like started moving towards uh, a couple of agencies that are focusing on trying to come up with solutions sooner than later, which is, I think what we learned from the birth of the internet of like, okay, we, we can't just see what the technology does. We need to be prepared for it. And that's why I have a good, a good hope for, for the next, you know, couple of years on this. I think it'll be fine. Right, good. I'm glad you have hope Lee. I think we could all hear some of that. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one of the articles came out of CES. We do need to do a yes. CES re- uh, recap before Speaking we get. Speaking of hope, yes, uh, the metaverse is back. <laughs> so I want you to lead on this one. You you talk more about the metaverse in your publications than I ever have. I've never been on the metaverse. Uh, what? The Come side. On, like I've just never liked the word. Um, it's true. It's true. This is why Kathy and I get along so well. It's like she can respect my opinion on this. I, she is the godmother of the metaverse. I totally love that. Um, I, I've worked on metaverse projects. I'm not like against it. I just don't like the word. Uh, so go ahead. You you can run with the CES article. That's fine. Yeah. It's all right, Lee. I'm not judging. I just think, you know, the metaverse is for all its ups and downs. It's just an, another exciting way to look at the internet and I think, you know, we're moving, especially with like we talked about rec room and full body and VR chat mm-hmm. and the vision pro what's, what's a 3d internet look like and how does this convergence of like games and being online turn into? And I think that's what this article is talking about how AI NPCs, like the mm-hmm. students in the classroom combined with, um, more processing power and advanced networking, can it give this idea of a 3D internet uh, life again? I'm, I'm with it. I want. I, I believe it. I just don't know if like. All right. So let's break down the M word. Um, the M word. Metaverse. Right. So I get this a lot. We've gotten it for years now. Conceptually. The whole idea behind the metaverse is it is the ability to bridge all of these platforms so that your identity stays consistent from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone kind of saw that as this like ready player one virtual world, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then it becomes this catch all term, which never made sense to it me. Did. This mm-hmm. 5G conversation, this. Uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFT, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, Wi-Fi 7, uh, all <laughs> of this XR stuff, right? It just all became metaverse. That's true. That was a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> and what no one ever actually solved 
was how do you keep a consistent identity between all of these little platforms? That's never mm-hmm. solved. Like mm-hmm. maybe Okta is the close to do it because they're just like the universal sign-in platform. <laughs> <laughs> like you can sign with your Google you know, account on just about anything now. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually retain a cross-platform all this stuff. So arguably like the metaverse was never built. It didn't ever, never no. existed. True. Um, the, yes. the basic, so it just became this bucket. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't mind the word. Uh, I thought it was weird when, when Facebook kind of commandeered it, but I understood why they did it. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm actually on, on the side of the camp that thinks it was probably a, a, a better move to rebrand. I don't know if that was the name that I would have chosen, but who am I to say? Everyone has an opinion. So Meta's fine. And the fact that they could get meta.com as a domain name, Hey, all the power to you, even a big company like that, that's a hard domain name to get. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I'm okay with the the term. I just don't know if we need to like bring it back up. Um, yeah. I think even in this article, whoever wrote it kind of used metaverse as a catch all again, because if mm-hmm. you actually look at the quote from Neil Trevitt, the vice president of developer ecosystems at NVIDIA, he's talking about spatial computing right. and the ability of your computer to understand your environment and you in that environment. Yeah. Um, using networking and uh, and what's interesting the fact that it came from him is like nvidia's never invested as far as i can tell has never invested into the concept of the metaverse right um Mm -hmm. uh, i started in the vr space probably around 2016 very heavily like full-time like i'm changing my career path that i'm focusing on this technology for a little while me too yeah Yeah, there was there was that there there was a little tribe of us kathy included um Mm -hmm. i think she kind of like started the the banner um (laughs) And my focus was on enterprise VR. That was where I, I was not about building video games. I was about how does this impact like the steel industry? Give me boring stuff that makes big money, right? Like that's where my career yeah. started. That's how I cut my teeth. If anyone ever wants to know what do I do with new fledgling technology and I, I just need, I can't support a game studio, do boring stuff, do pragmatic stuff. It makes a lot of money. Just do that. That's my business suggestion for, for anything when it comes to new technology. Um, and in doing so, what I did notice was, and this is true, this is very true. I was running a lot of tests on SEO for enterprise VR. Uh, that was what I, cause that was what I was focused on. And there was a pivotal point where NVIDIA took over that key term in Google. Like they sat down and said, Nope, we are going to own enterprise VR as a as a keyword in in Google search, and all of a sudden SEO completely changed for me because I couldn't compete with a company the size of Nvidia trying to like commandeer uh, enterprise mm-hmm. VR. So they've done that a couple of times where they have like this need to like focus on stuff, but they, as far as I can ever tell, they never really did that with with the term metaverse. Like I felt like that was still a little bit further out for them, or or maybe they were just like kind of sitting back because they Nvidia obviously had a huge impact. Um, positive impact for their business with things like cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies because in the early days it was all being ran off of GPUs. And so Mm -hmm. there was a point in time where you couldn't get NVIDIA uh, GPUs because they were all in some crypto mine and, you know, a basement not making graphics. Uh, That was a very frustrating time for a lot of us in the VR space because we were trying to build these like high-powered VR computers and we couldn't get a GPU because someone was out making Bitcoin. Um, so, and I think that that might be a little bit where the saltiness comes from of just like, why are we, 
in in the same category as the you know the crypto bros who we're out here trying to make virtual worlds and they're just mining tokens and i don't know it's just weird that they put it all together but the idea is is like will ai be the next part of this metaverse conversation god i hope not um i think it's such a honest honestly i i really that is such a disservice to like what AI is capable of. I, I just mm-hmm. don't, AI is one of the, especially like even what we're doing with just large language models and what it looks like we're going to do with like, um, uh, multimodal systems. It it's, it is the largest impactful piece of technology I've seen since I popped in like uh, a disc with like Netscape Navigator on it and installed it on my old Packer Bell computer. Right. Like I've not seen a piece of technology that, I was just like, oh, this changes so much. Um, mm-hmm. And that's coming from, I thought, like, I still think VR is the future, 100%, or I guess spatial computing. That's um, a huge part of it. But I'm not going to pretend like AI isn't, like, more important, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I'm I with know. you. I think, th- I think we have more things that we can try and figure out with AI um, than, than trying to bring the metaverse back or make it, make it part of. I think the better, Hey, if someone can, if we can figure out how to tie all of these worlds and systems together and actually create the metaverse, I am there for it. I want to see it happen. Mm -hmm. It needs to happen though. Right. It can't just be this catch all bucket of like, I don't know what we call this and it needs to have a category. It doesn't need to have category. AI is strong enough to stand on its own. It just is. It Spatial is. computing is strong enough to stand on its own. And those two yeah, can yeah. work together mm-hmm. in tandem to make a fantastic, impactful experience without yes. it having to have some magical Forbes buzzword name. Now, mm-hmm. if we can make one and it is Metaverse and everyone understands what it is, great. I think that's yeah. the goal, right? Like that's yes. that's the goal. Um, otherwise, it's just getting confusing. It's just too much. Just too much mm-hmm. for me. It is. It's a, it's a lot right now, which is why we have this podcast. It, it is Tech a lot. Magic. <laughs> I got one last story, and then we're going to take a break and come back with Dispatch from the Fringe. And really, I have yeah. nothing to say about this because I don't understand it. But you, you got you got a family, you got kids, you you understand this. I think maybe a little bit more than I. I think I think we need to Kathy here here for this one because my kids don't. Um, I have two little boys, and they're happy to just hit each other with sticks. So. <laughs> Okay, so so the story is uh, <laughs> that tweens' tastes are are changing and becoming incredibly expensive. Um, as we look at this weird rise in Stanley tumblers, Apple products, uh, customized shoes like custom Converse. Uh, <clears throat> one of the the parts of this article even breaks down that like a, a standard Christmas haul was almost like two thousand um, dollars, and that tweens like their what they want is just becoming almost pure luxury items. Uh, And and the real issue is like how social media amplifies that desire in in those, in those trends. Um, And those trends can burn bright and then real fast. I mean, we saw this with, we saw this with Yeezys, right? Like just Mm -hmm. crazy expensive knitted together shoes that if you wore it out in the rain, they would just turn into wet carpet. Um, that's right. I called out your Yeezys. 
I've never understood that. I do not like knitted shoes. Um, <laughs> that's just the, I'm in Portland. I am in sneaker capital USA. Everyone here is a sneakerhead. I do not understand knitted shoes. They're a bad design and you should feel bad. It is basically, and it rains here all the time. <laughs> so you're just walking around with wet carpet feet all the you time. You keep cutting left and right today, Lee. You're huh. all- <laughs> Okay, I got, what about, what about though, I saw this like custom, the custom Converse, this girl I do like custom Converse. I really do. But how, how can you tie it into maybe like Nike's Web3, the dot swoosh, swoosh? Yeah, that's a good question. And I can't, I have to, so I, I am former Nike. Um, and my wife currently works at Nike, so I'm going to have to, uh, decline an answer on that one. (laughs) All right. Okay, Lee. Cause I was just reading, I have, I'm, I have a dot swoosh, um, profile and I was reading their blog about how they're going to start doing more this year with physical and virtual goods. And I missed, um, their, the last sneaker, the, the sneaker they released last year. But I just wonder if there's a way maybe to tie this idea of consumerism into, into like the web three. But I think maybe kids these days are just happy to be happy to just watch social media videos. And, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know. we, we know that digital wearables have a lot of like value, right? Like that. And I think that that's where a lot of the previous like NFT conversations come into play. There is this whole dot swish profile thing that, that are people are looking at. I think we're going to come up with more solutions at the same time. I just literally this morning saw an article uh, where GameStop is like ending their NFT storefront. They're just like, they're oh, just closing it. Um, and, and so we're starting to see the, the cobwebs rattle out of where brands see value in digital articles and digital profiles. All of that's to come. I think that will slowly make its way to the direction that is like best for the consumer and for the company. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day think that the NBA did it right when they put out their digital trading cards. Um, they, they kind of were on that NFT hype train, but they were never NFTs. They were always on like a closed maintained server, which actually gave it more value because there was an authority that could actually maintain who owned what, as opposed to Mm -hmm. like someone having their NFT stolen and is like, well, you're just out of luck because there's no police in this situation. The NBA's digital trading cards, which kind of got onto that digital hype train for, for NFTs had a system behind it. And I honestly think that's why it worked better. Um, I always thought like, no, you need, you can have Providence, but you also need some protection for that Providence. And you need to be able to point to a source that agrees. This is where it came from. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like the world saying it, Uh, it was, it was a weird argument for me all along. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how this pans out. I think it will definitely lead its way back into digital art that's on your wall when you're wearing your vision pro, uh, mm-hmm. y- your, your, uh, ability to have wearables that have this content on them, your AI being powered by your AI assistant, knowing things that you like because it can see the things that you've collected in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. and I definitely think we're going to see more as we see like, uh, virtual reality, sorry, Apple, uh, avatars that have like designer wearables for that avatar. We've already seen it come through Roblox and through Fortnite, but we're starting to see it on the quest pro where you can turn on your, you can, or, uh, the quest three, you can go into your quest three VR headset, open up your profile and there's all types of 
fashion wearables that are branded that you can purchase uh, for for your avatar. And it's just one of those things that it's not getting a lot of attention, but it's slowly going to get attention. And um, the younger generation has already seen the value in it. And so it'll be interesting to see if that taste and trend continues, especially as like maybe they transfer from having an allowance to, oh, I got to work for my money. That might change where all of that comes to play. I know when I was a kid, that changed a lot. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was reading, I was reading this list of things she wanted. And I was like, oh, I, I still don't have a Stanley Tumblr, and I have my own money, and right. <laughs> I still right. haven't been able to, right. to go buy one of those. Like, oh, <laughs> if I don't got one. You don't got one. That's how it's gonna play out. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, anyways, we're going to take yeah. a break. When we come back, we're going to have uh, Lily with the dispatch from the fringe. This is one of my favorite segments. It's always, you know, we have weird stories on the show. And then Lily, you always seem to outdo yourself and find the weirder ones. I, I try. All right. <laughs> so we'll be back with this from the fringe on tech magic right after this. All right, we are back. This is Tech Magic, your podcast about all things immersive, interactive, new, fun, gaming, technology. In fact, this is one of the few shows we've had that hasn't really focused as heavily on video games. So this has been a kind of a nice change. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think... We didn't have a whole I lot mean, of gaming We mentioned news. Rec Room, but... Yeah, but yeah, not, not in the, the sense of like we normally talk about gaming. Um, I'm sure it'll come back next week. Uh, We are going to go straight into Dispatch from the Fringe with Lily. This is one of my favorite segments. You always seem to find the weirdest and strangest stories right up to the edge of the fringe. And uh, we always come back feeling a little uneasy, but more uh, educated. So Lily, take it away. Well, this one is the weirdest pet gear from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. So hopefully not too creepy for you, Lee. Um, there were two devices that I saw at CES that I just thought were fun. One is a device from Zoo Gear <coughs> called the Biscuit. It's like a piano for dogs. So it has four different pads and if the, they light up and basically you're training your dog to press the lit up keypad. And when it does so, it will rotate and open a food bowl and they can have a treat. So this is in the coming out in the US and I think it was like yeah it's $299 so if you Ooh. want to play along with your dog Ooh, or you crazy. could get the rabbit instead and <laughs> uh you could do you could do that or probably just get a keyboard and just have your dog hit that and throw treats at so it. My wife is obsessed <laughs> with um, the, the Instagram videos of like this dog that has like press buttons that say words and it's like slowly learning how to talk. I don't know if it's real or not. Oh, I think I've saw, I saw that one was, or something similar. They had like, yeah, these devices and each one would say like a different thing mm-hmm, and would like mm-hmm. run and press it. Yeah. Yeah. Cat, uh, my, my wife really wants to treat, like train our dog how to do that. But like our dog can't figure out how to ring the bell to say, tell us to go outside. So like, I just don't think our dog's got... Is it is it your dog or is it your own training? Ability? Oh, I'm sure it's a little from column A, a little from column B. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it's you can't just completely blame uh, blame the dog. Yeah, there's definitely some probably impatience of mine. I just don't have the time to to 
train it how to talk. Um, good mm-hmm. Lord, I probably don't want to know what it's thinking all the time. Because um, <laughs> no. it's probably just treats, 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 treats. That's yeah. kind of, yeah. we got a one train, one train, uh, one track train dog. So, yeah. But I do wonder if you could take that gear and create a version of that, right? You, this is just playing notes, but you could teach mm-hmm. it to talk. You could hook it up to a speak and spell or something and like. Oh, yeah. That could be And it's just that positive reinforcement right. when it says the right word at the That's right time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. Um, so the second, the second fun pet gadget, this is also why I think gadgets are the future, Lee, because they're not just for you. They're for your pets. Um, <laughs> this one is <laughs> this one is called Flappy and it's a smart cat door. It has AI built into it so it it won't open the door if your cat brings you a dead animal gift. So mm. it can it, with 90% accuracy it can see what dead animal your cat is bringing home and it will not open unless it leaves the animal outside. That is the most disgustingly brilliant <laughs> thing I've ever heard because that tell someone said, "You know what sucks?" and then they went <laughs> to fix it. And that's good <laughs> right? technology. Like that's right? a good use case of technology. If you can sit down and you go, "I am so sick of this stupid cat bringing <laughs> these dead birds into the house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to solve it." The person who created this had a problem and set out to solve it with technology. That's what I'm talking about. That's what tech needs to do. They did. Exactly. (laughs) Flappy also has a chip reader in it. So if your cat is microchipped, it will only open for your cat. Brilliant. So no raccoons sneaking into your house. Um, But the founders did say in this article that a cat could probably outsmart Flappy if it really wanted to. And you know the cat so, will want to. Yes. <laughs> if if it's there the is game. yeah, if there is a if there is a cat that uh, has a barrier, that cat will find its way around that barrier. That's true. But so it is coming out in Germany and Switzerland later this spring for only uh, three ninety nine. Oh my god, that's an expense. I don't even know if I have a door at the house that's like just a door <laughs> that's that expensive. Right. That's crazy. Uh, no, he's just not- gonna go program his own AI. <laughs> No, I, I, like I just, you know what? If if you do have the problem though, it's probably worth the investment. If if it really can do what it says, if it does what it says on the ten, I I would pay that to keep you know dead prized animals out of my house. That is a disgusting. <laughs> yeah, if you're problem. a real cat fan, I mean, there's some like crazy cat technology out there for like little fancy litter boxes and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you I'm love your cat. I'm a dog person. Um, it's Same. not that I don't like cats. I actually like cats. I'm just so allergic to them that I can't be around them. But dogs I'm fine with. So I'm like just naturally a dog person. But I'm not one of these people who is like, I don't like cat people. It's like, no, I, I'd like to be a cat person. I just can't be. Yeah. You know. yeah that's not your fault. Well, okay. great dispatch from the fringe. Lily, this has been a fantastic show with you. I've enjoyed talking and uh, going through the week's news. Kathy, we miss you. Have a fantastic time at Davos. Come back with lots of exciting and interesting things to talk about on the next episode. We will be back next week with more tech magic. 
Thank you to all of our listeners for continuing to listen, for your feedback. Uh, please make sure that you take time and leave a review um, and, and reach out to us. You can find all of us through LinkedIn. We are all incredibly uh, accessible and we love to hear from our listeners. So please uh, reach out and say hi. Uh, for Kathy Hackle, who's currently not with us, my name is Lee Keebler. Lily Snyder, our producer, has been co-hosting. Lily, thank you. And we will see everybody again next week on Tech Magic. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 